welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week we're talking about games in small boxes. This doesn't necessarily mean the game has a small table presence, but it does mean they are easy to travel with and tend to have simpler components. So what are the pros and cons of small box games, and what are some of our favorites? That's what we'll be talking about. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, and the Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. And welcome to Tony Simpkins as our newest patron. And thank you to all of our other patrons. Um, I just want to remind people, we record every Monday night at 8.30 Central Time. I'm not saying CST or CDT or Central Standard Time. I'm not using those phrases anymore. Because apparently, it's a common habit for me to just say... Central Standard Time. But it's not Central Standard Time. It's Central Daylight Time. And if you're in another country and you look at what time is it in Central Standard Time, it's not the time that's actually in Central Time. So when I say Central (laughs) Time, I mean Chicago Time. Look it up on whatever smart device you have. And that's 8.30. That's when we record. (laughs) So I think we're in Daylight Time. We're in... I think we're Standard Time. No, we're Daylight. Yeah, we're CDT right now. We're Central Daylight Time. This is the one that people want to lock into, which I... I am more prone to saying, yes, I would rather lock into CDT than CST. Although, switching back and forth, Just there's good arguments one. for that, too. Just I, pick I one. I heard that in the 70s, they did like an experiment for like a few years or a year. It, it was a year. Decided not to switch. Yeah, everyone hated it. Mostly because... And everyone hated it. Yeah, yeah. I like it lighter at like into the evening. I like more daylight time, but we're on the east side of the central time zone. So for us yeah, we are. in winter, in December, it literally gets dark at 4.30 in the afternoon and it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But with the, if you don't switch it, then in the morning, it's dark until like 9.30 or 10 in the morning, which means everyone who's going off to school is going to school in the dark. So really the time zone changes are meant for school kids more than anything else. And it actually does make a huge difference on school heating and air conditioning budgets too, apparently. But yeah, anyway. Um, I'm seeing a lot of comments about farms and I'm sure the industrial farm robots are really upset about at, it. At one point, this is true. At one point, <laughs> the cows are all messed up. Farming was the reason <laughs> that they did it is is because of farming schedules, but now that we have industrial robots, they can handle the schedule. I don't think that's true. Oh, like they can. A John lot of Oliver farming is episode done. About that. It's like I thought like 90% of the farming in the United States was all done by Monsanto. So um, it probably I don't know. that's now. what I learned in my meteorology degree. So <laughs> I don't think Monsanto owns farms. They just like they're just like a big seed company. They're yep. a big supplier. So this is tabletop farming talk, and we're glad to have you with us. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the moral of the story is: join us on Zoom Mondays eight thirty. Tabletopgamecraft.com slash live. Um, what have you guys been up to this week? Not D and D because we didn't do D and D on Friday. Yeah, no D&D. I was disappointed and distraught. That's what I was. I was not disappointed, um, but I wasn't going to cancel. I wasn't going to be the one that said, oh, man, I'm just so tired. So when Flet- or when Spencer said, oh, man, I'm just so tired, I'm like, just always blaming yes! me. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it was me. I was the one who was too tired. I was, like, my children have, like, created a conspiracy that, like, I cannot sleep anymore. When one of them sleeps, the other does not. And I am like a zombie stumbling through life at like 30% capacity. So whatever I say tonight, please take with many grains of salt because don't. This is why we keep you on the podcast, though, because it's what you don't mean to say that's interesting. <laughs> you should join our live audience so you can see my crazy eyes that just scream sleep deprivation. So, <laughs> yep, yeah, I am. I am finally over all of the sicknesses that I've been like suffering over the past month or two. Where it's like the other day, I woke up and all of my fillings hurt. I'm like, this is not normal. <laughs> this Your feelings? All of them. Because I got like a Were bunch of... Were you getting radio transmissions? Yeah. I went to the dentist. Your head? Over the last few months, I've gone to the dentist and I like, had NPR? all my fillings replaced. And so all of them decided to hurt on, I don't know, it was like Friday or something. And I'm like, what's going on? 
So the, then I, I'm like, I'm going to have to go to the dentist again and have them fix all these stupid fillings. And then I went to sleep and woke up and everything was pain free. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's just a sinus issue. But still, I'm, I feel better now. <laughs> Two things. Stop drinking Diet Coke. No. And how many fillings <laughs> do you have? I have more fillings than teeth probably at teeth. this point. Yep. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, sometimes it has to do with your um, teeth. Your teeth. <laughs> Welcome to Tabletop Dentist. No kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it's like the porosity of your teeth because uh, Spencer and I both drink very acidic drinks constantly, and he has never had a cavity in his entire life. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, I. Yeah, whereas like, like I had teeth. cavities by the time I was six before I was allowed to have soda. So like, <laughs> all of my cavities were all except for maybe one or two were probably pre twenty, like. They were all very early cavities, and then since then, it's like, no, they're fine. Um, I'm trying to teach my kids really good teeth habits, because I was not taught them, and Sydney was not taught them. So we're... we're (laughs) Trying to make our children better than we are. Exactly. I'm, like, picking up better habits because of them. Like, I no longer drink Diet Coke in front of Zachary, because if I do, he wants it. So I'm like, okay, I can only drink Diet Coke in the basement, which makes me a very cranky person during the day (laughs) when I'm like, I don't have my Diet Coke. I'm very angry at the world, and I don't know why. What you're saying is that you're a closet Coke addict? I am am a out Coke addict is what I'm saying. Yes. Um, I have also recently stopped drinking Diet Soda. Um, I had stopped drinking it in front of my kid a while ago. But uh, I recently just gave it up entirely, and my sister has also given up drinking diet soda, or any soda. I guess she didn't really drink diet, but she claims at some point it stops sucking. I'm not there yet. It's been it's weeks, and I'm not there yet. So, and I, everyone who says you should stop drinking Diet Coke, my response is simple. I did an experiment for two solid years. I stopped drinking all soda, all of it, nothing but water and like sparkling water. And that was it. And coffee and tea and stuff. And it had no meaningful impact on my life whatsoever. That wasn't in any way positive. In fact, it had a negative impact when I went back to drinking Diet Coke. Everything in my life improved. So, yeah. (laughs) Suck it. I will drink all the Diet Coke I want. (laughs) I'm thinking of getting a soda stream because mostly what I drink now is sparkling water. I... So I have, and a, they have a subscription model. So you know, I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> I have a mini fridge downstairs with a bunch of cans of Diet Coke. But honestly, the frequency I go through, I'm going to look into getting a home fountain dispenser because a you can get like a three tap for a pretty reasonable price, and that would just be cool. So I'm going to do it. I've heard that with the Soda Stream, there's one that you can just like make the fizziest water ever, like so fizzy it burns your eyes. And I'm like, I need that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good times, good times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do we want to talk about some games? Christmas <laughs> is like, TGT, not sponsored by Diet Coke. If only. If they would send me some Diet Coke, I will plug them forever. <laughs> Although I actually drink Diet Dr. Pepper. My family's a Dr. Pepper. It's all good. Family. So let's see here. Um, games, yeah. I started an Arkham Horror campaign this week, so I'm actually going to get back into playing Arkham Horror, which I'm super excited about. I'm using, we're using two of the pre-made decks that they were selling a few months ago. Like you can just buy, buy a color of deck and boom, there you go. And we're only going to use the cards in those decks for the entire campaign just to see if it's feasible. The very first scenario, we were basically destroyed. So I'm not saying the outcome's <laughs> going to be good, but we're going to push through and see what happens. Um, I also got my Marvel United pledge this week, which is, I don't know, like eight boxes of chibi Marvel characters. Cloud Spire and then Mutant Chronicles all arrived, all giant multi-boxes. And yeah, I have too much content. So everyone responded for the game giveaway and I'm getting rid of games, but not as fast as I'm getting them. So I still have a problem. I also... so. Speaking of joining us in our live audience, last week, as we were getting ready to end our call, we came up with this topic, and I walked over the two feet to my gaming collection and started going through all my games, which led me to, I have a box for you, Chris. (laughs) I was using some of my small box games as literal filler 
for the games I was sending out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need some padding here. So I just shove like these little boxes around the edges and like, all right, that works. And an old t-shirt. Boom. Done. Not an old t-shirt that I wore, but an old tabletop game talk t-shirt with the old right. logo on it. <laughs> this one's from high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have some of those. So he's trying me trying to get me to get rid of them. I'm like, no, sentimental value. I have some of those if too. it's made it that long, it deserves to stay. I think my oldest yeah. t-shirt is from middle school. I have my middle school gym shirt still. I have a few from high school teams stuff that I did. Academic team stuff that I did. Okay, let's talk about small box games. And I want to start this off by saying this is, there's no exact science to this. And we're just going to talk about games that come in small boxes. But I do think there's like three basic categories of these that I just want to throw out there. So we have something to throw back to. Micro games. Now, micro games would be, we have games that are the size of a pack of gum, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Wrigley, well, what is it like? The just stick of gum type of things. Um, we have mint you nailed tin. It with Wrigley. Yeah, Wrigley. <laughs> we have yeah. mint tin games, which are again the size of a alcoid, al- alcoids, al- altoid. Al- yeah, uh, whatever. Um, tin, <laughs> and so there's and the both of those hard to pronounce mint. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but both of those are specific <laughs> companies. Like that's just their shtick. Um, they're not like a super common thing. Now, the 18 card game, that is more of a, I've seen multiple companies do this. Button Shy, that's all they do. Every month they re- mm-hmm. release another 18 card game. And the 18 cards is significant because it is, I think, the cheapest you can print for like a small deck of card type of things. And it fits in a number of different containers. What they, they have these little, little wallet containers. So that's where the 18 card comes. So we consider these micro games. Um, Michael's showing one with his virtual background. I just know he showed it. Uh, this is food chain Island. Uh, and I can't wait for uh sprawlopolis. I'm getting the sprawlopolis collection shortly. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, the next category of games are card games. And these are card games that can come basically a deck of cards in a small box, or oftentimes it's two decks of cards side by side. Uh, You think Flux. Flux is a small box game, but it's really just a deck of cards inside of this box. Sometimes there's components. Um, You have to put it in front of your face, Michael. But it looks like a planet. There we go. (laughs) Flux. Space Flux is exactly what it was. Um... Sometimes there'll be two decks side by side. Sometimes it's a single deck. But those are, they're cons- I would consider them small box games. Sometimes they're more card games than, like, there's no other component. Flux is a good example of that. But still, these are small box games. And then finally, full games in small boxes. And I'm giving the Tiny Epic series as the kind of the upper end of those sizes and if you've never owned a tiny epic game well go buy tiny epic galaxies but the size of this box is one and a half inches tall by and then centimeters that's four centimeters by seven inches long and in centimeters that's about 18 centimeters and about almost five inches deep or 12 centimeters so small games things that if you're a teenager with baggy jean pockets, you could probably fit these in your pocket without a problem. I've done that for all of them. Oh, if and you're going to high school in the 90s. Yeah. And, yeah. And high, just and, stick these in your Jenko jeans. Yeah. Michael's actually, <laughs> Michael's actually showing ultra tiny epic galaxies. And they also have t- ultra tiny epic kingdoms. These are deck of card size games that were the the box size that I just said, but they shrunk it down into a game that fits inside of a deck of cards. So there's no dice. They're actually cubes with like printing on each side. So they're like super, super tiny. But these are still, especially when you look at the Tiny Epic series, these are still full games. And it wasn't, I think Tiny Epic Quest was the first one where I'm like, I can't fit this on a card table. Like this is just a huge game even though it comes in a small box i have to go get some games you guys keep talking I'll all be right back. so i'm gonna keep talking so fletcher yeah. sushi go party that's a small box game right uh i guess so and the box is you know it's on the smaller side i wouldn't call it like tiny 
I don't know. There was a Sushi Go that I owned that was in a tin. It probably maybe four or five inches by four or five inches. That's the one that that's the one I have. Yeah, it's in a yeah. tin. I would I would say that that is a relatively small game. Like it's it's a, it's easy enough to pull <laughs> yeah. to, to pull around, right? And it's just a deck of cards yeah. in there. There's no there's a score pad, I think, too, and a pencil or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't think I've ever even used that. Um, but yeah, I think the box is probably like eight inches by four inches by five inches or something like that. It's relatively small. Um, Lightning Steve showed or mentioned Railroad Inc., which I also have in front of me here, which is also a small box. It's a slightly more awkward size than the tiny Epic boxes, but this is a roll and write in a small box. And a lot of roll and writes will come in small boxes, but I have found one of the... Well, we'll get into the pros and cons in a second. Um, Kitty, what are your examples of small box games? Um, I have a ton of these games. I think these are some of my most commonly purchased games. So my smallest one that I have is Bus, and it is the pack of gum-sized game. It's just um, a bus pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really... It's a CTA it, pass. You swipe it and you get on the bus. <laughs> Um, I think it might take up less room than my Ventra card, actually. Um, but yeah, yeah and, you can see here. And if you haven't so seen little. any of these packs of gum games, they're basically, think of, they're usually card games. There's almost, I've not seen any with components, but the cards themselves mm-hmm. will serve, serve as components when needed. But the cards are the size of a stick of gum. Um, not the yeah. width, obviously, because you figure many of them in there but that's how they get away with fitting it all in there and you know kitty has a score track for bus or it's like a road or something and you're going to play these cards to do certain things um and there's tons of them and they're not all good there's a lot of them that are <laughs> you you buy Just for like the, any other game yeah um but like these types of games i think the the pack of gum games and i there's a name for them but um they're like three dollars each so you're not really going out on a limb you know, if you're like, if it's a bad game, it's like, okay, it was worth a try. Paco game set one and two is what Christopher says that you should search. Um, I got that one in my Christmas stocking, actually, as a gift. Which makes for great stocking stuffers, but sometimes they can actually get lost in the tip of the sock. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on your stocking. Um, my family has a tradition where there is a actual lump of coal that... Mm-hmm. Um, was a decorative lump of coal from an electric fireplace to make it look fancier um, that somebody stole and put in someone's stocking, and it has been moved stocking to stocking every year. Uh, and it always ends up in my stocking on Christmas morning. Like, it moves around, but, like, I don't know. I, <laughs> it ends I where it should. deserve this. It ends up there. So I never lose things in the toe of my stocking because the toe of my stocking is always the lump of coal. Oh, that's, that's sad. All right, so what's the next smallest sad. game you have? Uh, the next smallest game I have, Tussie Mussy, is one of the button-shy games. And that one is um, Elizabeth Hargrave designed that with them. And it's a flower game, and that one's pretty fun. Uh, it's a, a four-player only. I've only played it a couple times. Um, the 18-card, not my favorite style of game. I think most of the games I have in this category are like the deck of card style games. And one of the ones I really liked, I backed this one on Kickstarter. I'm not sure it's available anywhere or if anyone else has ever heard of it, but it is called Grim A Card Game. This is the one that I went upstairs to figure out because I was like, I have like eight fairy tale themed games. <laughs> I can't remember the exact title of this one. So this is Grim A Card Game. And it's just like a deck of cards but the way you play them is really interesting and the scoring is really fun. And I ha- I've really enjoyed this one. Spencer will play this one with me. So that's always a plus. Yeah, <laughs> and I the tried, art is really cool. So I grabbed a few off my shelf just to have them sitting next to me. And only one of them, uh, Fantasy Realms, is a deck of cards. And it's actually a 52 deck of card, 52 two card deck um so the only reason this box needs to be it's it's the tiny epic size but the only reason it needs to be that big is because the rule sheet is that big which doesn't have to be either i I think there's kind of a um stigma against like the tiny games yep and i don't know why because i love them so 
And well, actually, Kitty, I don't want to cut you off. Do you have any other games you want to highlight before we move on to pros and cons of these games? Because we're going to talk about the stigma. Um, I'll just keep bringing them up as it seems appropriate. I have so many, so, so many here. (laughs) So let's talk about this stigma. Why aren't more games small box games? And I think the main thing is when I look, if I was going into a game store and I look at all these games that are your standard, you know, standard box size, which is usually 11 inches by 11 inches or 11 and a half, whatever, calic size, box size. These games look like big deals. You go, you look at them, it's like, wow, this this looks like this is a lot of stuff in here. And this is, look at all this big art. And then you go and you see all these small games. And you look back at the big games and you're like, well, that has to be better because it's bigger. And this is why, number one, Fantasy Realms is not a deck of cards. Because if you saw a deck of cards, nobody, you just look right past it. Like it has to at least be this minimum size for you to even give it a glance when you're looking at it in the store. Even though Fantasy yeah. Realms is probably one of my favorite games. Like it It's a really great game. I love this game and they're finally coming out with an expansion and I just bought a second copy because I, well, I thought they updated the art and then I looked and <laughs> apparently I already had the updated art version, but that's okay because I play it enough to where it wears the cards out and I don't sleeve them because they're I don't know why I don't sleeve them because it's just a deck of cards. It's just a expensive. deck of cards. Yeah. <laughs> and but it's so much fun. And just like it's starting to get a little bit more traction because the Dice Tower has been talking about it. But essentially what Fantasy Realms is, is it's a hand maximizing game. You have, you're dealt seven cards and each card will have some effect and give you some kind of score based on what else you have in your hand. And so you're it's playing. It's like Rummy. Yeah. You can take a card off the top of the deck or you can take one off the discard or take any card from the discard pile. And once the discard pile is a certain size, the game ends. Now, I I definitely like the two-player variant of this game better than anything else. Um, But I've actually taken the multiplayer and given it a pseudo two-player variant. So in the two-player game, you start with no cards and you can take from the discard pile or you can draw to discard one. And once you have seven cards, then it's, you know, draw one discard one that's the system but i find that if i'm just dealt seven cards and i you only get a few rounds because there's four players before the deck the discard pile fills up it can i can feel like oh i wanted to do more but anyway regardless of that there's variants in the book that allow you to do all of these things there's a chaos mode Mm -hmm. where you're like you set a timer and then you just are like like in real time trading with each other and then when the timer goes off whatever your hand is that's what it is like there's ah oh, it's just so much fun anyway that's fantasy realms check it out it's it's great i taught it to some friends this weekend and we played three games in a row because we're like well we have time for one quick game i'm like okay we'll play this three times <laughs> <laughs> so i think there's something else about the small box game and it is they don't cost as much to produce mm-hmm. so more people maybe make less high quality small box games. So it feels like you can take a bit more of a risk there where if I pick up a big box game, especially like some of these huge box games, it feels like, well, this must have gone through so much to get made because there's so much here that, you know, obviously it took more than one person and it's got all this like stuff to it. Whereas a small deck, or a small box, it's like, well, this could just be one person's passion project and maybe it's not good. And yeah. it, it feels like more of a risk, even though you're maybe you're probably spending less than $20 on any of these games we're talking about today. Yeah, I would say so Tiny Epic Galaxies, which is probably the best of the Tiny Epic games is $25. Mm-hmm. Like you can't spend $25 on a game that's going to give you more game than Tiny Epic Galaxies does. It's, I mean, if you haven't played it, it's kind of hard to describe. It's sort of a Space 4X game in a tiny box, but the mechanics around it, just everything, everything just is works. It just fits. There's, you can follow actions, like someone's going to choose an action. You can follow actions if you have culture to spend, but if you don't, maybe I want to save my culture because maybe Kitty's going to do a better action than Fletcher's doing, and I want to do this, and oh, but I'm going to take <laughs> this action, and then Fletcher's like, oh man, I want to take that action too. And I'm like, oh crap, I just gave Fletcher the exact action he needed, and oh, it's just, there's just so much goodness in this game. 
And it's just this small little box. Now, it has expansions. It has another quote-unquote big box expansion, which is the same size as the main, main box. So you can get two of these small boxes. But honestly, the <laughs> base game by itself, just as perfect. And the, t- and the tiny or the ultra tiny Epic Galaxies, it fits in a deck of card box. It's just crazy how small that is. And it's still the same game and it's still so good. But you might walk right by it at a game store if you didn't know what you were looking at because, eh, whatever. It's small. I'm going to go look. Oh, look at that. Twilight Imperium. That box is huge. Must it's be a, a better game. Box. <laughs> <laughs> it's like It's like opening presents. But I want to open up the big one. I want the big one. Yeah. Yeah, and it's probably just a box full of socks, whereas I feel like I have gotten so much enjoyment out of... I remember going to a game store with you, Chris, and I picked up Herbaceous, and this is still a big favorite. I got this one for my mom. I've sent this one to people. It's a really fun game, and once again, I think it's just a deck of cards, and they added some stuff in there to make it worth putting it in the tiny epic-sized box, but it could just be a deck of cards. But it's really, really fun, and it's really simple to teach, and it's one of those games where you play it once, and then you say, again, and you play it again, and I have never played this game less than three times whenever I pull it out. When, like, I don't know, minute per minute of play, I think I would get way more use out of this than I will ever pull out anything, I don't know, bigger than time stories. (laughs) And the thing is, you know that, like, when you're getting a small box, you know that that box is actually full of components. I'm going to pick on Dominion for a few minutes. (laughs) Dominion is a standard size game box. It's a fantastic game. You open it up, there's three decks of cards inside. That's it. There's three decks of cards in this 11-inch by 11-inch by 4-inch box. And there's 73 expansions for it. So you just throw the boxes away because they're too big to store. Also, 73 is an estimate, I think, give or take two. But uh, like, it's just huge, and it doesn't need to be. But would it be nearly as successful if it was just in a small box? Who knows? Probably not, because it doesn't look like a legit board game when it's in a small box. So... What are we showing me? Oh, This is Maiden's Quest. Yep. This is another of my favorite small box games. But you can see it takes up the space of two decks of cards, and they have put a cardboard outline around yeah. it. So, so they still had to pad like it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. And maybe it's just at this point, this box is a standard size. I think this... But I was looking at my small box games. So I was sorting through my whole collection, and there is... It seems like no rhyme or reason to the size of these boxes. They are so different, and it is so hard to stack them all. I wish we would stop the stigma against them <laughs> and standardize a small box size so that I can neatly stack them in, like, I don't know, a mini Calyx. Yeah, well, so there's a couple other games I do want to mention in the same box size that we're t- we've been talking about, which is one is Burke's Gambit. We've talked about this a number of times. Burke's Gambit has some cards. Um, I don't know, maybe a two dozen cards or maybe 20, 25 cards in there. But it also is basically it's a bunch of dice. And there's a dice bag because you're drawing randomly from a bag. This is a social deduction game, but a mechanically mechanical social deduction game. So it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's there's there's elements of the game that allow More you to More deduction deduce. than social. Exactly. And... It is a fantastic game for a small box. Now, it is not uncommon for social deduction games to come in small boxes, though. Werewolf is essentially an 18-card game. Like, your standard, you can get a pack of Werewolf for 18. And even if you went with the, um, oh, they're, the name's escaping me. I think it's uh, Bezier, I think, um, that does the ultimate Werewolf stuff. They're still in a small box. Um, Avalon is a small box. Small-ish box. That box has actually gotten... It started out as a small box, the size of like a tiny Epic, but it grew into what I would consider not the small box. It is the, look at us, we're a legit game, but we're not going to be these big boxes, so we're going to be this medium-sized box that's just awkward no matter what you do with us. Codenames. Like the codename size of box, which is 
Why? Why is Codenames that size? Why isn't it just in a small box? I might actually like Codenames if it were in a small box. But, ooh, I'm venting. This is not a venting show. It is not. <laughs> what I was getting back at is Burke's Gambit. Lots of components, lots of dice, all in a small box. That could have been like a huge box. They could have upgraded all the components. They could have made it like this elaborate thing. All of the different, you know, abilities could be cardboard placards and whatnot. But no, they said, all we need are some cards and some dice. And here you go. This game's $25. You're going to love it. And I say, yes. Yes, I do. I love this game. (laughs) (sighs) I like small box games. Um, I love small box games. (laughs) Why? All right. So what is the main reason why you love small box games? I like games that I can bring with me places. I don't have people over to play games as often as I end up places where I'm playing games. So I like to be able to bring games with me either out to my mother-in-law's house or to visit friends or family when we go places if we're allowed to do that ever again. Never. Um, but I, I do tend to travel with games quite a bit and it's easier to bring them with. And I also think they can be less intimidating. There are positives to being in a small box. You know, there are people who I hang out with who are like, well, I'm not a gamer. I don't want to sit down and play Twilight Imperium. I don't want to play these games. But if I pull out something that looks like a deck of cards, there is an inherent familiarity. You are hard pressed to find somebody out there who has never played with a deck of cards. You know what that you know what you're getting into in a way. You may not know exactly what these cards are or what they do, but it's cards. Everyone can play cards. Yeah. It there it's an easy entry point. And you know, you don't have to tell them like, oh, look at this tiny box. Surprise, it's a 4X game that's gonna take up this gigantic table. Um, but those aren't really the ones I play very often anyway. So, so you I like, like that. You They're not comment. as intimidating. I, I just thought it was fun. Everybody knows how to play cards, but like <laughs> There's so many card games. Like, not everybody knows how to play gin rummy or cribbage. But or... you're comfortable with the idea of having a hand of cards. That's and true. I, and I think yeah. that matters. If you're going to jump to a new kind of game, being at least comfortable with how to hold the game is is not a bad place to start. As opposed to, okay, so here's... Rising Sun, and you're going to take those 55 miniatures, and those are yours, and put these bases on over here. Okay, and this is mine here. Oh, and this is your money, and these are the different denominations, and this is the different... Yeah. Yeah. Here's your hand of cards. This is what the cards do. Much easier to explain. That's true. Because the card... I mean, with a typical 52-card deck, you know it's going to be some kind of, like, numerical or set collection kind of game. Yeah. That's just how the cards are. Well, if you look at the crew, another small box game... This is a trick-taking game. Now, most people of my generation and above automatically know how to play trick-taking games. The trick there is to say, this is a trick-taking game, but you're not trying to win. Um, I think a lot more people are familiar with trick-taking games than you think they are, because my generation all grew up with Hearts was an automatically installed game on our computers. There are an entire generation, I think millennials on down, that did not grow up with trick-taking games in general. Now, I'm not saying uh, I'm know. not saying there's not exceptions. You grew up in a gamer family. But I'm saying that I, I played it with a lot of non-gamer people growing up. We would well, play Hearts on my neighbors front oh, porch, oh, yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah, 100% as I agree. children. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I but I don't know what it is to be a, a a kid these days, but when I talk to Sydney, she knows how to play She is your child. But she didn't know how to play euchre. And I'm like, "Wait a minute. How do you not know how to play euchre?" And it's because it's a Wisconsin and Michigan Euchre game, is the but. weirdest and most complicated of all of the... <laughs> it is the simplest and <laughs> trick best taking of games. all the trick-taking games. I don't know. Spades and Hearts, to me, are much easier to pick up than Euchre. Euchre has some weird scoring stuff. <laughs> the point you I'm don't trying... use all the cards. That's <laughs> it. I can't... <laughs> the point I'm trying to get at is the rules of cards, like depending on what you're playing, can be all over the place. And John agrees with me. Euchre Supreme. And, <laughs> but the fact that you just have a hand of cards and there's really nothing else or not much else out there, whether it's a trick-taking game or, I don't know, you're growing plants and trying to maximize points <laughs> or whatever the case is, you're just playing cards. It allows you, and typically those games play quicker. That's another thing about small box games I think is a pro, is they often have shorter play times. Again, often. 
Um, we can play, you know, five games of Burke Gam- Burke's Gambit in an hour. Pretty easily, actually. Now, Tiny Epic Galaxies, all of the Tiny Epic games are in a class of their own because people like to make fun. It was like, wait a minute, how's it Tiny and Epic at the same time? Well, it takes up a small amount of space, but it truly is a full-size game on the table in playtime. So it's different. So that it does not have shorter playtimes. They're not necessarily easier to teach, but they are super easy to carry around and if I ever worked in an office again, which I probably never will, um, they would be the games that I bring to the office because I'm like, oh, you guys want to play an actual real game? Sure, I'll pull this out. Otherwise, oh, let's just play Fantasy Realms. They all fit in the same stack, though, and they all fit in a desk drawer very easily. Seventh one, Seven Wonders, Seventh Wonders. Seven Wonders <laughs> is another game that does not belong in a big box. <laughs> that game would be so much more portable and friendly to office situations if it wasn't in this giant box and the reason it's in a giant box is like oh look we have these play mats that are half the size of the box for no reason whatsoever (sighs) this is not a venting episode why do i keep going there (laughs) (laughs) Um, something else i enjoy about small box games is player count i find that there is um, a much higher likelihood that it plays at two players as well as it plays with more players. These games seem much more scalable and I care mostly about having a two-player game that feels like a real game as opposed to trying to get more and more people to the table. I'd rather, I mean, like most of the time I play games, it is with four people at most, unless I have like gone to a specific gaming event. So I most of the time just play with Spencer or I will play solo. I have some really great solo small box games that I love, like Maiden's Quest or Abandons are some of my faves currently. I completely agree with you, but I'm going to one-up you with saying oftentimes small box games scale from two players on up to that eight plus player range and they do it better in many cases than a lot of the big box equivalents. You know, if you look at something, I mean, like railroading, I'm just going to look at that. It's a roll and write, so it scales to infinity as long as you have enough boards. <laughs> but I mean, it also plays fine at one. Um, Fantasy Realms plays fine from two to six without issue. A Burke's Gambit, I think it's like a three to nine or something crazy like that. Um, you know, a lot of these games have really good scalability. And we're not even talking party games. Like I'm, I don't think we've mentioned a party game yet. Besides maybe Sushi Go, but I even think don't even think Sushi Go would be considered a party game. It might be a game you play at a party though, because it's that easy to play. Well, I mean, <laughs> Fletcher gave I a strange look. I have played Sushi Go. <laughs> no, I played Sushi Go at a birthday party for sure. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's yeah. super easy to pull out and easy to teach, and it's yeah. Adorable. We were at a restaurant. Somebody had it in their pocket. Yeah, somebody was wearing cargo pants. Yep. Just pulled it out of their pants. <laughs> and it was Fletcher <laughs> in the 80s. It wasn't. <laughs> no, I only wear parachute pants. But I know multiple people who will carry sushi go around with them. I have seen you carry love letters around in your pocket. Um, well, on the cruise during the wedding, I had it all the time because we had a bunch of wedding love letter all over the place. Um, I think love letter may have started the 18 card game genre, by the way, it's huh. now that you mention it. You know, it's funny. We have the beautiful wedding version, and uh, I've never played it because I didn't get to go on the wedding cruise because instead I was very, very pregnant. <laughs> it's true. Um, Darren mentions Bang the Dice Game, which is better than Bang the Card Game, which I think is basically a card game. I love Bang the Dice Game. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny because anytime a game, like a big box game, gets a roll and write or a dice game or a card game version and it becomes in a small box, I'm like, that tends to be the one that people are like, oh, I like this. It gives me the same feeling. It plays faster and it's not as bulky. Like it's it's the What's chance the for them to refine one? it. one? Um, oh, there's a bunch of them actually, but oh. The good one. There's it's, one good one. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, I just looked at it the other day because I think it might have been one of my literal filler games when I put it in the box. Um, oh, there's a couple Ugh. good Monopoly card games. Monopoly deal. Christopher got it for us. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a good card game. Yeah, uh, really fun. Yep. Because you have to, when designers go back and design to make it 
fit in a small box. And again, card game, dice game, roll and write all sort of apply because you can put these in small boxes. You have to start streamlining. You have to start cutting away the eh, the stuff we don't need you're, anymore. You're trimming the fat. Yeah. Yeah. Trim that fat. Get rid of it. Yep. Get rid of it. <laughs> We're done. The, the Tiny Epic series, I'm actually a little disappointed in them because a few of the most recent ones, they're like, I think the most recent has a miniature add-on pack. I'm like, no, no, don't do it. You've, you've avoided it for <laughs> so long. I don't need miniatures for my Tiny Epic games. I, of course, back them all, but I don't need them. I don't want them. <laughs> they had the, the item meeples for the longest time. The item like, meeples are hilarious. They're, they're great. If you've never seen the item meeples, you should Google it right now unless you're driving. Wait till you're done. Then they're, go Google it. They're meeples. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Meeples? Look at the item meeple. Yeah, they're basically meeples. They're plastic meeples with holes for their hands. Like, think about G.I. Joe grips, but they're in the meeple and there's just a hole. And they have different things that you can plug into the holes. So if, like, I'm carrying a sword, I can, like, plug a sword into one hole. I'm carrying a shield. I can plug a shield into it. Um, Tidy Epic Quest was the first time that they were introduced, but they've had a a bunch of games since then because they're just so cool. My favorite is the one with the chainsaw, personally. That's Tiny Epic Zombies. Yeah. It's- I just love the meeple holding it. The, there's a chainsaw. There's a sawed-off shotgun. <laughs> there's a crowbar. I love these little guys. Yeah. Christopher They're actually hilarious. put an interesting tidbit in the uh, chat. He says, Scott Alms was on One Stop Co-op, which was a uh, show we talked about last week, um, podcast. And he mentioned that he likes designing for small boxes because it forces him to design more streamlined. Um, and Michael's showing his tiny epic mech meeple, which is a meeple that can sit inside of a mech suit and then still hold up different weapons. But I, I think a lot of designers will say this. A lot of designers will say, look, give me restrictions and I will come up with a better design than if I just have infinite space. Because those restrictions get those juices flowing. And it's like, oh, this is what I have to work with. All right. What's the best thing I can do? That's what I'm going to focus on. And there's a reason why, like, all the entire Tiny Epic series is all designed by the same designer. And and the same publisher, obviously. And he also, he's designed, Scott has designed many, many games outside the Tiny Epic stuff. But the things that he's most known for are the Tiny Epic games. Even the ones that are not great. The fact that each one of them has its own flavor, its own thing. Like, Tiny Epic Western. This is an amazing game. It's not the most popular of the games, but like there's a poker deck in there and you're, it's area control. Well, not area control. It's action selection, but at the same time, there's like this sort of action control thing going on. And then you're playing poker at the same time. There's so much going on in that box and it's so thematic. It's so fun. And it's a Western game. Why? Why? You wouldn't design that in a big box. Like who designs a Western game? All right, Great Western Trail was one of the best games ever, and I just backed um, Western (laughs) Legends, I guess, um, which I'm really looking forward to. But still, you get you get my point. With a twenty five dollar Western game, you can go in and say, "All right, I'll try out the the genre," and I'm not investing one hundred and fifty dollars into this giant sandbox Western game because you have a problem with Kickstarter. (laughs) I'm just gonna sit over here for a little bit longer. All right, so we talked about the pros, cons. What is bad about small box games? Nothing. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> They're perfect and beautiful, and I love them. I'm sorry, Fletcher. Give us a real con. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like a one man's pro is another man's con, I guess. But like, the, <laughs> you can't like they can't be bigger games typically. Like, you can't have. You're not going to have. I don't know. A, just a giant game in a tiny box. You're just not going to happen. You're going to have if less you want table that presence. kind of experience. Yeah, the table presence on most most ball box games is not significant. Even the tiny epic stuff, which literally can take up like a four foot five four foot table, it's cards and meeples. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what's on that table. It's just sprawling. Um, yeah, you're not going to have the super detailed minis, large minis. You're not going to have Cthulhu. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't have the two-foot-tall Cthulhu. Um, Table presence and box presence. You know, we talked about that, you know, at the beginning. Box presence is is an issue. Um, Storage, actually, for me, I have so many small box games, I kind of forget about them. Like, 
I already talked about my problem. There, there doesn't seem to be a standard the way there is. There's, there's the standard box that is like, it is the cheapest, I think, to produce because everyone ordered, like, it's the standard. And there is none of that for small box games. So they don't stack neatly. They don't fit. There's no easy way to display my, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games here that I just pulled randomly off my shelf. Not one of them is the same size <laughs> or shape box. Not a single one. And it's it, it's a little bit infuriating to try to fit them into a... Because you don't always have like small shelves either. I have a large space that I'm trying to fill Tetris style so yeah. I can see all of Just these get a games box to remember what I have. <laughs> get a bigger box and put the small boxes in. Get a bit of... Yeah, get a bigger box and put them all right in the Right with big Sharpie box. on there. It'll look really... <laughs> It's going to ruin yeah, my shelf candy. Small box I, games. Yeah, I do. I think that at the when you're at the small box level, people tend to take more liberty with just kind of modifying the box willy-nilly as they will because it's it's already going to be a basically a custom box anyway. Um, Christopher mentions they're not in depth, not as in depth, which is true. Like shorter games with easier to teaching rules. It's not to say that the games don't have choices and they're not meaningful it's just the shorter the game which small box games tend to be the less investment you have in that game you know you have that spectrum where on twilight imperium you're just going to spend 12 hours playing the game you have major investment you're going to remember that game i can't tell you i mean i just played fantasy realms three times yesterday and (laughs) i know i won at least once but I can't tell you any significant thing, you know, like, oh, I was able to make the artifact, the runs artifact pay off for me in that that hand, right? Um, there's nothing, you're not telling stories oftentimes in these smaller games. However, something like Burke's Gambit, you know, Lightning Steve now has, you know, a new name. That's why we call him Lightning Steve. And I still, I do <laughs> remember that game we played. It was that same night and there was a moment where, like you can't know the information about yourself. Maybe I don't remember how it works yeah, exactly. You can't, yeah, you don't know if you're infected. You can only know if other people are infected or not. But the person next to me looks at I think I maybe had an ability. I knew I was infected and I looked at somebody else. They looked at my card and we looked at each other. We're like, no, we're both fine. And it was perfect. And we just <laughs> destroyed everyone. And it was great. And I as, remember, and it, that was like three years ago because that's how old my kid is. So. Yeah. Well, and as Steve was blasting us towards Earth with evil people on the ship. Um, but that's what social deduction games do. Social deduction games tend to make memorable stories. Like they, they really do. And that's another, like, if you're not into social deduction games, I totally don't begrudge you that. I've sort of fallen out of them myself. But I cannot argue that you will make lifelong friends and enemies in these games. <laughs> like, it's just going to happen. Um, But yeah, in general, I don't think, just because a game's in a small box, I really don't think there's too many cons about it. Do I th- wish they were a little bit more standard size? Maybe. Um, the Tiny Epic games, they now have a Tiny Epic Carrier which fit all the tiny epic games as of like three years ago, but now they don't fit them all. So now I have to like be like, okay, what are my top 12 at tiny epic games? Those are the ones that make it into the cut. Um, but I want to ask a reverse question. What games? Is this Jeopardy? Are you going <laughs> to? Um, no. Are you going to give us the answer and we have to ask the question? I'm not going to ask you an answer for a question. I'm going to ask you a, a, the opposite of our, what our topic has been. Sort of big games that shouldn't be big, big games that should be in small boxes. Now, it is completely fair to say everything by Simon, everything <laughs> because take out the miniatures, yes, replace them with meeples. Look at that, you've gained you know all of the space. <laughs> there is so Marvel United is the, the one that's top of mind because I just recently got that Kickstarter. If I take out the miniatures, that's just a few decks of cards. And some cardboard location spaces. Uh, the characters themselves could literally re- be replaced with pawns. They're not like the little, uh, like just circle pogs or whatever. Like you don't need the miniatures in there. But the miniatures make it take up two full spaces in my Calyx shelves. I'm probably going to just dump the miniatures all into one box 
and then the game all into another box, and then boom, I'm done. And I actually have pawns <laughs> from Game Crafter, like pawns of different colors, so I can use those as replacements, which I do quite often in some of the games I really like playing, but I'm just like, I don't want to deal with all the minis. But John is right. John says um, the miniatures do make the game. And they're cute. And I 100% agree. And that is actually why I backed the game. I'm like, I don't care what the gameplay is. I'm buying the miniatures for this game. Mythic Battles Pantheon is another one that falls into this. It actually started out as a Pog game. Like, the core rule set is a Pogs game. Like, little round cardboard circles. (laughs) And they're like, hey, that game didn't do so well. We're going to buy the rights to the game and make giant miniatures and make sure this game comes in five huge coffin-sized boxes for the exact same game, which is a great game. But until you put the miniatures on the table, it doesn't get the same hype that this does. But if you like the game, it's so much easier to just play it with cardboard. I don't know if there's anything more 90s I can say about myself than saying I used to love going to the video store to buy pogs for my collection. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's about as 90s as you can get. (laughs) This is my childhood happened around a certain time. (sighs) But I I mean, I don't begrudge what we will call huge box games or multi-box games for going the direction they're going. I mean, I think all games have their niche that like everyone likes what they like. There, There's value to every size of game. I just think there's so much variety within the small box genre that sometimes just gets dismissed because yeah. the, they don't have the bazillions of dollars Kickstarters. Although I guess Exploding Kittens is a small box game technically. <laughs> and it. Yeah, but it's not may not have deserved <laughs> its accolades, but it sure made a lot well, of money on Kickstarter. Well, for that matter, so is Cards Against Humanity, right? Like, mm, yeah. it's just a few decks of cards. And so there's certainly very, very successful small box games that have made it into the millions. Um, I will agree with Kitty here on the Kickstarter is making games bigger and bigger and bigger. It doesn't necessarily make them better. But it does make them bigger. Um, you need to understand that the money you're investing in these miniature games are because you want the miniatures, not because the game's going to knock you off your socks. Um, but imagine Gloomhaven. So Gloomhaven has 18 figures in it, and they're all player figures. Imagine that Gloomhaven came out for the first time today. What they would have to do is you would have miniatures for every monster in the box. Hundreds of them. And that's just what you would have to do to make it in Kickstarter today. I don't think that's true. It was already somewhat like that when Gloomhaven came out. No, it wasn't anywhere near the level. I mean, No, it's gotten worse. I agree. But I, I still think Gloomhaven is an exception. Well, Gloomhaven is such a... But here's the thing. When Gloomhaven, the first Kickstarter for Gloomhaven was, it only raised like three or 400K, which is a ton, mm-hmm. but it was nothing compared to the reprint because there was like, they had miniatures. They showed the miniatures on the screen. You had, you know, there was technically 17, but one of the characters has a companion miniature. So there's 18 total. But yeah, you couldn't, I mean, I'm just waiting for him to come out and say, hey, we're going to release a miniatures expansion that has all the monsters. It would sell like gangbusters. Like, if he wants to make another $10 million just because, hey, it's Saturday, he could do that. Just say, yep, I'm just going to make all these into miniatures. And I don't get it, man. People, you guys enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> people would buy it. And this is already like a giant game. It, you would need another box the equivalent size. I think you could probably fit all the miniatures in into that for the monsters. But I'm going to sit here happy with my fairy tale themed trick-taking games, Fox in the Forest. If we're talking about games that deserve to be small box games but aren't, Tournament at Camelot, why do we have all those tarot-sized cards we don't need? Well, even tarot-sized cards could become... I mean, you could fit them into a small box game without a problem, but they don't need to be that size. No. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I was going to do Seven seven Wonders again, redo that, all the cards would be normal-sized poker cards, except for the player mats, those would be tarot-sized. 
and boom, there you go. <laughs> you have a small box game. Yep. <laughs> like that's all you need. Throw a score pad in there. You're done. Um, and we've actually we've had an episode on pimping out your games. And I think at one point... Do we need point, to come up with a minimalize your games episode? There was, Can I there do was it? one point where it was like, minimalize your game. Like, what is the game that you like so much that you want it to be portable that you've made a portable version of it? I think we talked about this with traveling with games. Yes. How it, we could pare them down to their essentials. Yep. And, you know, I would... There's there's a few games. Like I said, I... I like the ultra tiny epic stuff. I don't play that version because the tiny epic version is small enough, but I love the idea that I can put this deck of cards in my back pocket and I could just bring it anywhere. Um, it's really the table space that is a barrier on on those ones. But yeah, so that's small box games. I don't know that we've actually come up to any conclusion or anything like that. <laughs> I just know we I all talk have about a, a lot of games to? I really like. We never <laughs> do. We never do. This is this is for the reader, listener, to decide how it affects their life, and hopefully go out and buy a small box game. Yeah, do that. Apparently, they're cheap. <laughs> it's yeah. like buying gum. It is like buying gum. Um, the conclusion is: small box games come in small boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Christopher. <laughs> but it's true; they do. They come in small boxes. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually pull out my tiny epic collection. And play the last four or five that I have not actually played because I feel bad. I like Tiny Epic Tactics. I haven't played it. Is, was I? I so want to play this game, but I haven't played it, and I really want to. So I'm just gonna do that, and I'm not gonna because I've been intimidated. I have all these big box games. I'm like, oh, I gotta get these big box games, and the small ones just kind of like drop to the side. It's like, no. What this episode has done is said, hey, I'm gonna elevate some of these games up to the level of these bigger games that I've been getting just because it's in a small box doesn't mean it's any less important. There you go. Words of wisdom. All right. Take us out. I think, I think that's it. I think you can take us out. I don't think we have anything else to say. Do you have anything else to say? Nope. Nope. All right. Then except tabletop game talk is a proud member of the dice tower network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in our show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the support us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Kilometer Clark, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Anne Reynolds, Christopher Letko, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Sahara Wentworth, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, and Tony Simpkins. And thank you to anyone who's ever been a patron. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So we did not play D&D this week because everyone except for Fletcher was exhausted. Yeah, I'm fine. But Good job not having kids yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but next week, I am going to talk about, in our role-playing game topic episode, why you should run a game. And just, just a little bit of a, um, a teaser. Have either of you ever wanted to run a role-playing game? Yes. I have before, a long, long time ago. But have you wanted to? Have I wanted to? Not not really. I kind of did it once a while ago because... <laughs> you had to. We rotated. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it was okay. It's it's definitely more work. It is. But I'm going to talk you into... But Kitty, you have never actually run a game, right? No. That's why I still think I want to. Exactly. All right. Fair <laughs> All right. Well, Chris will dissuade I am gonna talk... you from that notion. Yes. 
So I am going to talk you guys into running a role-playing game. And for all of our listeners, if you have any questions or concerns about, hey, wait a minute, I don't think I'd want to run it for this reason, or what about this, or I'm nervous about this or that, send those questions in and I will answer them at that point as well. Um, Fletcher and Kitty will keep me on my toes so I'm not just babbling the entire time, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Till next week. Talk to you guys then.